Church Downtown is a community of people striving to be authentic followers of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that you're inspired by the following message to know the love of Jesus more deeply and to follow Him more passionately. For more information about our church, this message, or about being a Christ follower, please visit us at churchdowntown.org. Paul Tripp's devotional this week, and he said in a uh, devotional, he said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, we see uh, how the gospel began with the crucifixion and it ends with the everlasting life. But he said there's a huge hole in the gospel, the hole of where we fit between understanding the crucifixion and our salvation and the eternal life. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, it says, I am crucified with Christ. That's our past. We understand that. We get it. We're saved. We put our faith in Christ. There's another scripture that says that this is the promise that he's promised us, eternal life. We know where we're going. Amen. We understand our past. We understand our future. But there's something missing. There's a huge hole in the gospel missing today in this generation. And that's what goes on between the crucified Christ and our eternal salvation. It's the gospel that we're supposed to be living now. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave his life for me. There's a living part of this gospel. And God is concerned about your daily walk with him. So what my message today is this journey that we're on. It's not just about being saved. It's not about where we're just about where we're going. It's all the middle in between about what we put in our lives. That we walk by faith and understand God is trying to stretch us. God is trying to make us into his own image. And folks, we are on a journey. So don't forget the walk of faith, this journey that we're on. That Jesus wants us to be stretched and put our faith and trust in him. I, I'm going to go to the life of Elijah. If you have your Bibles or just listen to the passage of scripture. But it's found on this very unique passage where all of a sudden bursting onto the scene comes this man called Elijah. We know nothing about his past. We know nothing about his family. We know nothing about his history. We just know that all of a sudden he just comes slamming right onto the scene. And Elijah chapter 17 first kings and elijah the tishbite the inhabitants of gilead said to ahab as the lord god of israel lives before whom i stand there shall flip the page there shall not be dew or rain these years except at my word then the word of the lord came to him saying Get away from there and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it shall be that you shall drink from the brook that I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Wonderful provision of God. It was his present situation. God was providing for him. He was being used of God to be a messenger and find himself in a dilemma when his head was about to be chopped off because of the message that God told him to bring the wicked king Ahab and to Jezebel. Now God hides him by this brook and then we find 
in verse 7, and it happened after a while. I want to tell you, folks, regardless of where you're at in your walk with God, it's going to happen after a while. Something's going to dry up. God uses circumstances and situations. In the Christian life, it's not always the mountaintop experiences, but God brings us to those places and provides miraculously for us. We're led there by the Lord, and all of a sudden we turn around, and the, the brook dries up. What is God saying to us? God's saying there's some lessons in allowing me to lead your path and to direct your steps. I'm stretching your faith. Elijah had an incredible journey. We're going to take a look into that very briefly this morning. The, the, the journey that he had when the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. And verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath. Aren't you glad that God has another plan? Let's pray together. Father God, I pray for your plan. I pray, God, for your direction to be accomplished, Lord, in this service. I pray, God, you help us to fill in the pieces. Help us to understand we are on a journey. And, Lord, in this journey, we are challenged to walk by faith. Challenge us today, oh God, that we might be closer to you and allow you to build us, Lord, in between this Spans of time between salvation and eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. There's bad news and there's good news. Let me give you the bad news first. According to the scripture, it was a very dark time in Israel's history. Matter of fact, it had been a hundred years since God used the godly king of David and Solomon to bring righteousness to the nation. And we find a succession of a uh, of hundred years of wicked kings coming to Israel and ruling uh, and, and leading Israel astray. And now we find ourselves coming to a man by the name of King Ahab. And Ahab was a wicked, wicked king. Matter of fact, the Bible says this about him. He was the most wicked of all the kings. And it says in chapter uh, uh, 17, it says that this man, King Ahab, in verse 8, go and tell the master Elijah this here. And it says, and it shall come to pass when you have gone. That's wrong. I'm in the wrong scripture there. Let me. Uh, the Bible says it was uh, that King Ahab was the most wicked of all the kings that had ruled before him. And the Bible tells us that he also went out and married uh, Queen Jezebel. And when you marry, uh, when you're bad yourself and you marry a wicked uh, woman, it is nothing but disastrous from there on through. Ahab was, was a vile, wicked king, and he led Israel into the darkest uh, time of the Israel's history. And wickedness and vile uh, feeling was all through the land. And the Bible tells us that they built, when he married Jezebel, they built uh, uh, altars and they built uh, tabernacles and temples to the false gods. Baal's temple was built there and Ashkeroth's temple was built there. And it got so vile that they were even taking the children and burning them on the sacrifices and on the altars. The Bible tells us that wicked queen Jezebel was the wickedest of all women. And if he would have been bad enough for Ahab to have had his own uh, dealings with this place, but Jezebel was the wicked queen, the wicked witch of the West that came on the scene and brought all her false gods with her. And there in the land of God, into the land of Palestine, comes all this evil worship and all this thought as they were killing the people of God and slaughtering the prophets of God. So it was a very dark 
universal darkness had covered the land from one end to the other. And we find that now onto this scene comes this man, Elisha, or, or, or Elijah. And look at chapter 17, verse 1. It says, And Elisha the Tishbite. We have no history of where he came from. And all of a sudden he bursts on the scene. And the neat thing about Elijah was God had brought him to that place. God had brought him to that time. And without any history, any background, he explodes on the scene. And he fulfills God's mission. And he leaves as quickly and as suddenly as he came. Because the Bible tells us that it was his triumphal uh, exit out of this world. Elisha didn't die. He fulfilled the mission of God. And he finds himself jumping on a chariot and riding out on a horse of flame. What, what, a, what a way to go. And Elisha was the man of God that God had appointed for that particular time to lead Israel through one of the most tumultuous and troubling times to bring them out of this wicked state that they were in. And the Bible says Ahab made wooden images. And Ahab did uh, uh, provoke the Lord God of Israel in his anger more than any other king of Israel. So we that's the bad news. Now let me get to the good news. God always has a plan. Could someone say amen? In the midst of all the vileness, no matter how our world turns out here, folks, no matter what direction we may go, it may be another Queen uh, uh, Jezebel that may be the President of the United States. I don't know. It may be another wicked Ahab, President of the United States. But the problem is today, we don't need to look to the country. We don't need to look to our presidents. We need to look to the Lord God Almighty who has a plan. Because every time God has a plan, God, listen to me, has a man. And God will raise up a righteous force. Jezebel, the wicked witch of the West, came and took over God's land and led it into evil. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes a man by the name of Elijah, and he bursts on the scene, and he accomplishes God's will, and then he exits just as fast. It's like the Lone Ranger. Everyone stands around looking. Here he comes, and there. Bursted on the scene, accomplished his mission, and God swept him away. I want to tell you, that incredible man accomplished incredible mission because he was used to the Lord and allowed God to stretch him. He was called the Tishbite. I started looking through commentaries to find out what a Tishbite was and even the commentaries had a problem with understanding what a Tishbite we know nothing about him but he's a Tishbite was I got, started looking through it I looked at the interpretation of it and the interpretation of the word Tishbite is basically strange as I look at Elijah's life, I also find another passage of scripture. I believe it's 2 Kings. He was called a hairy man. He had a camel's hair that he dressed with. He had a leather girdle about him. He was the, he was the incarnate John the Baptist in the Old Testament. He was one weird man. He came from a place called Gilead. If you ever know Gilead, it's a place on the other side of Jordan. It's a mountainous area. And uh, that particular area of Gilead was known for, you ever hear the balm of Gilead? It was known for its spices. It was known for its trees and its bushes and, and, and its herbs. And here out of this inhabitants of Gilead comes this strange man dressed in camel's hair. And the Bible says he was a hairy man and he wore a leather belt. He was, aren't you glad that God loves strange people? That's where I got in, amen? 
Aren't you glad, Jim Henry, that God loves hairy men? Amen? God uses us even as strange as we are. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, it says that God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the wise. He's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He's chosen the base things of the world. Listen to me. If God's going to raise up a man, he's going to raise up a man that's totally trusting and has faith in him. And God is going to raise up someone who's willing to be obedient to him and walk by faith. And here comes bursting on the scene this man, Elijah, this strange man with a mission, this Tishbite, this inhabitant of the wilderness. I love what he says. He walks up to Ahab without any idea that God was... We don't know that God gave him the message. We don't know how God spoke to him. We don't know where it came from. He just walks into the palace of Ahab with a message. 24 words. As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. There's two very unusual things about this 24-word statement. Number one, Elijah didn't say, I'm hiding behind God, I'm standing behind God. He says, before the Lord of whom I stand. In other words, God's got your back. He another thing that's strange about this, he said, except according to my word. And I said to myself, is this Elijah's word or is this God's word? Listen to me, there's no difference when you speak for God God's word becomes your word. Every time I stand in this pulpit, every time your pastor's in this pulpit and he picks up this book, this holy Bible, and he <laughs> preaches the word of God, it is his word, but yet it's backed by the almighty power of God's word. Your word becomes God's word. God's word becomes your words. That's the authority in which we speak. Isn't that an awesome truth? To understand that when we speak according to the Bible, according to God's word, that God says, I'll back it, you say it, and it'll, the Bible says, you speak to this mountain, be it removed, and it shall be removed. According to your word, there's powerful statements in the Bible that talk about our words. If we say things into the word of God, they're packed with authority. So we can, play, we can speak to the demons and they have to flee. We can speak to the wicked Jezebels of our world. They have to be, they have to submit. We can speak to the wicked kings of Ahab and they have to submit. It's our word. Take the word of, isn't that exciting? You can be a witness for God. Take God's word and go out into the world and say, I speak to you the word of truth. It's my word backed by the authority and the power of Almighty God. So Ahab basically said this. As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, God's got your back. If God gives you a message to preach, you go, go preach that message. Before whom I stand, it's not going to rain for these years until I speak it. What an incredible message. And then the Bible says, and then God spoke to, a, uh, to Elijah. I imagine... God only gives you one step at a time. You know that? I imagine Elijah probably, when he, had, when he knew he had this, this message that it wasn't going to rain in Israel and he had to go to the wicked king's palace, he was probably thinking, man, as soon as I speak this, I'm going to get my head lopped off. God, what do you want me to do after? God says, you speak the word and I'll give you the instructions later. In other words, it's a walk by faith. It's a stretch. 
You're willing to be stretched by God to take one step at a time, not knowing what tomorrow holds? Then the word of the Lord spoke to Elijah after he had fulfilled his first step. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, Elijah, arise. I have a place for you. Get from here. I think probably Elijah said, I got a witness, Lord. Thank you. Uh, I don't need to stay in this place any longer, man. Show me my next step. He was very eager to make his move. Get away from here. Turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith. I looked up where the brook Cherith was flowing into Jordan. And what he was saying to him, get back down to where you were, basically. I'm going to hide you in a cave. Because the message you gave, and as it starts coming true that there's no water in the land, the drought is hitting the land, I'm going to tell you what, uh, it's going to be uh, a tough time for Israel. And, and wicked Queen Jezebel, have you ever noticed that she was so wicked, no one ever names her kid Jezebel. I mean, we're talking thousands of years later. You can call them Clarabelle. Yeah, you can call them Annabelle. You can call them Vernabelle. You can call them Jinglebell. But you don't call them Jezebel. Amen? She was a vile, wicked queen. And if she would have had an opportunity, she'd have grabbed him by the throat and locked his head off. But God has a plan. Don't ever be afraid to be stretched by God and go where God opens the door for you to go. Because he'll always have your backside. He heard the word, go back down, and I'm going to hide you in a brook. In verse 4, and it shall be that you shall drink from the brook, and I will command the ravens to feed you there. I call this the brook, the birds, the bread, and the beef. Isn't that awesome? God says, hey, I'm going to take care of you. You go down to this brook. And there may be years of drought, everyone else may be thirsting to death, but you go down to the brook and I'm going to cause the water to run so you have fresh water to drink every day. And then I'm going to come, he says he's going to command the birds to bring in meat and bread every day, morning and evening. You ever wonder why God uses such little things? God, here's the God of the universe that creates everything out of nothing. And he chooses to use a bird, a brook, a beef, and, 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 uh, and bread. God could have, instead of making a brook run there, he could have opened up a Coca-Cola fountain if he wanted to. And yet, instead of bringing birds to, I mean, the Bible says that uh, God provides for the birds of the air. Do you ever think that God provides us through the birds? God will meet every need. God could have set up a gourmet cafeteria over there, but God uses the natural. Don't ever despise the day of small things. Don't ever despise the day of small things or common things because God uses everyday things. He can make anything out of nothing, but he also can take the common things of little things in life to provide for your needs. He can take that job. He can take that uh, uh, a check that comes in the mail you didn't know where it came from. He could take the moving you from one spot to another, providing for all your physical needs by this, that, and the other. He could take the bread that sits on your doorstep and you don't know where it came from when you're hungry and you have no groceries. He could take the common little things. But also this same God of the universe could create man out of nothing. He could have provided any way he wants for an obedient child. A scientist once said, uh, hey, God, I can create life just like you do. And he challenged God to a contest. 
And God says, okay, let me create life. And God reached down and got a handful of dirt and breathed into it. And he made a living soul. And he turned to the science and the scientist and says, you do it. And the scientist went to reach down and grab a handful of dirt. And God says, oh no, you get your own dirt. God can take and make anything out of nothing. If we think that we have a better plan than God, God says, I don't need a thing. I just need for David to speak the word and it'll be done. So God could have provided for Elijah in any way he wanted. But he used a bird, used a bread, used a brook, and he uses beef. Was Elijah comfortable in that cave? I think so. He was a mountain man, and why wouldn't a mountain man just, it was his man cave is what it was. <laughs> I mean, God's, God could have put him up in the hills, just like I said. God could have put him up in a Ramada Inn. God could have done anything he wanted, but he takes Elijah and said, get down to the brook, live in a cave. And how long was he there? He was there a year. And I think Elijah got very comfortable living in that cave because he had all his needs met. And all of a sudden, just in the midst of his comfort, why wouldn't you be comfort? The whole land is starving. The whole land is dying. And God is divinely taking care of you. Listen, let me tell you again. Regardless of what happens to America, God is going to take care of you. God says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed out begging for bread. That's what David said in the Psalms. He's going to provide for you, folks. In regards to what happens around us, God has a plan. So God said to Elijah, um, you just drink from the brook and, and I'll provide for you. And I, I think Elijah just got very comfortable. And then one day he went out to the brook and there was no water. I think sometimes God has to dry up the brook to get us to move on in a journey of life. Would someone agree with that? Because I want to tell you what, we're people that hate change. We're also people that don't, uh, we, get, we get in a rut, we don't like to move. And sometimes God has to come to us and God has to dry up the things that we put our trust in, our security blanket. What is your brook? What is maybe a brook that God is drying up even right now for you? Because God says, and you might say, oh, Lord, I'm very comfortable here. God, I know God called me here. God, I know that you provide for me here. And all of a sudden, things turn around in a day. And I'll tell you, all it takes is one phone call. All it takes is one moment of time. And your whole world can be turned upside down because God has another plan. God said, I'll dry up the brook because you get so comfortable staying where you are. I can tell you, situation after situation in my life, when I was very comfortable, and I was very happy. And God called me there and God was providing for me there. All of a sudden, the next day, the brook dried up. God uses dry brooks to stretch us. Because even Elijah needed to learn that he trusted in the Lord. That his confidence and faith was in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Every part of my journey... God has used dry brooks to move me on. You believe it or not, my first church, I was in an internship. And you know where I served my first church? It was in, it was in a cave. You can look it up on the map in West Virginia. There's a little place, a little dot, a little speck in, in, in West Virginia called Rock Cave. I know what it's like to be in a cave. I'm telling you what, I know what it's like to suffer adversity. When, when God led me there, everything was wonderful. It lasted seven months. And all of a sudden, God dried the brook up. 
And you know, the last thing I wanted to do is stay there if God dried the brook up because I would have died there. If Elijah would have decided, hey, I've got a cave, uh, the world's in a mess out there, I've got the birds bringing the, the food in, I've got a brook here, I'm just going to stay comfortable here. If, if Elijah would have stayed when God dried the brook up, he would have died there. But God had another plan. When God dried the brook up in the rock cave, I went on and started my first church plan. And when I was in my first church plant for nine years, God then, at the right time, I didn't even know, I didn't know where I was going. God gives you one step at a time. God dried the brook up, and I had to move down the road an hour to start another church. I can look back down and I say, thank God for dry brooks. The last move I made at Calvary Baptist Church, I was pastor for 11 years, and no one could have been more happy in that church than I was happy. I'm telling you what, I was blessed at Calvary Baptist. God was blessing on every side. We had every need met that we ever could think of. Flourishing churches were being planted, and this is a product of one of them right here. See what God has done through Calvary Baptist Church. So why did I leave Calvary Baptist Church nearly two years ago? Because God woke me up one morning and said, there's, there's no more water for you here. The brook I've dried up because I've got another plan. I had no idea. God never, you know, I wish God would just kind of say it like he did to Elijah. I'm going to move you to Zarephath. Uh, the only thing I knew is God was drying the brook up and God says, you've got to move. So the only place I knew to move to is back down the least. Substantial salary when you leave your home and have to relocate when you're going to go to a place I'm not going to tell you about. Matter of fact, it may not always be a good place they want you to go because the Bible says when the brook dried up, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the third time now, telling them, I want you to go to Zerah. What would have taken place? You ever think of all the things that he would have missed? If he hadn't left the brook and gone to Zarephath, he wouldn't have been able to feed the widow and the son and help them survive. If he hadn't gone back to Zarephath, he wouldn't have raised the widow's son from the dead. If he hadn't gone back to Zarephath, or had gone to Zarephath, he would have never experienced the Mount Carmel and, and challenging the 450 prophets of Baal and slaughtering 450 false prophets. If he stayed down at the, listen to me, if we will never learn the victory on and standing on Mount Carmel until we learn to sit at the brook chair. When we learned the confidence and trust in the brook, then God leads us to another stage. And it was on Mount Carmel where he slaughtered the prophets. And if he stayed in uh, the brook and not went to Zarephath, he would have not been able to call an end to the rain after three and a half years. If he hadn't have gone to Zarephath, he would have never been able to hear the small, still voice of God. If he had never gone to Zarephath, he would have never experienced the power of the mighty hand of God upon his life and upon his ministry. If he hadn't gone to Zarephath, he'd have never got that free ride on a chariot to heaven. I want to tell you what, you can stay where you are because you're afraid to move. You, you don't want to lose your security blanket or, or you can just, by faith, step out. You know what? There was a step of faith that caused you to leave church downtown in the movie theater to come here. Someone had to have some faith. And say, God, the brook is drying up here. And I'll tell you what, if you stayed in the movie theater, I did this, I'm, I'm speaking as a prophet here, okay? If you'd have stayed in the movie theater, you'd have died. I didn't get a whole lot of amens on that one. Because <laughs> some of you may be thinking, man, we were comfortable. You know, what are you talking about? God opened that door, God blessed us, and we had, we, I love the movie theater. 
I love the popcorn buckets and all those things. I, I, I love the, 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 the children's thing across town. We had it just decorated. And I'm going to tell you what. If you'd have stayed there and missed the call of God, you would have missed this. And I'll tell you what, you're just experiencing the first steps of what God has for you in Zarephath. And praise God, leave the dried up brooks and go to Zarephath and you're going to experience the miracle of God. And God is going to do some supernatural, powerful things simply because you're willing to step out by faith and trust in a living God. Great things. What is your brook? Let me, let me close if I could real quick. We're out of time. What is your brook? Your brook may be your home. Your brook may be your family. You say, God's called me to leave my family? No, but I'm going to tell you, a lot of young guys will deny the, the, the will of God and miss the will of God because they have a little baby born and they decide to stay home rather than do the ministry of God. Take your family with you. God will bless every move that he challenges. What is your brook? Your friend? What's, dry, what's God drying up in your life personally right now? I know what God is doing in your church. Incredible things because your pastor and your leadership here and you as a congregation have taken a step of faith. And God says, when the brook dries up, I'm going to call you to Zarephath and I'm going to call you to the mountaintop. You've learned to sit at the brook so you can stand on the mountain. But what is your personal brook? What is it? Your church? Your bank account, your comfort zone, wherever it may be, don't leave it unless God draws the brook. But if you sense in your life you're going through a dry time and you wonder where is God, maybe it's health issues, maybe it's financial issues, maybe it's struggles within your family or home. I, I don't know what all your dry brook may be, but I'm, my challenge is don't stay and die if God's calling you to move. I don't know where, I, I, it's easy to look back because I have 40 years of ministry. I can look back and I can see the hand of God through everything. And when I, when, when God called me to leave uh, Smithtown Community Church and I turned into my, my resignation, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a bank account. I didn't have a savings account. I had three kids to feed and, and, and a wife to take care of and a dog. <laughs> And God says, get up and resign the church. And I said, God, why? Everything's so wonderful here. We're running 600. I've got 80 members of my own personal family in my church. It's going fantastic. God, why? And all of a sudden, God just said, just, it's dry. The brook is dry. I want you to move. If I hadn't moved, I'd have died in Smithtown. But God moved me to another church just down the road. We started that church, revitalized the church. I was there 14 years and saw a great big old tent meeting that reached the entire western part of Pennsylvania and hit attendances of over a thousand. We see God build the church. And you go on that little piece of property today, you see multiple million dollar complexes there. And just recently, out of that church, another church was started. I just talked to the pastor there yesterday, a young fellow I mentored at Liberty. I talked to him yesterday. They're building a 22,000 square foot uh, auditorium, and this today is their first day in it. Last Sunday, they had 450 people in their church. Why? Because God said, even though you don't have a job, you don't know where you're going, uh, it's going to be a humbling experience, but resign your church, and then I'll tell you where you're going to go. You have that kind of faith? Let, let's, we're out of time. Let's, let's pray together. Father, our, our nation is in a mess.
God, our country is upside down sideways. God, we see wickedness and sin filling our lands. Even our churches, God, are getting off track. And God, we know that we can't trust in circumstances or situations. Lord, even our homes are upside down. God, we need your help. And God, in the, in the lives of these people that sit here, what, whatever you're doing in their hearts, Lord, right now, I don't know, but your Holy Spirit does. And I pray, God, that you just speak right now to their hearts. And Lord, if you're calling them to, if there's a dry situation in their life right now, I pray, God, you just help them to step out by faith and trust you, Lord, to do what only you can do. Father, I pray for anyone here without Jesus. Maybe the life of sin is just that there's a dry brook there. They're empty. They're dry. And dear God, I pray that you can just speak to them right now. And show them that Jesus is the answer. That Jesus has an incredible provision for them. Meet every need today, Father. We yield this time to you, Lord. Father, I pray that you help us, Lord, to be like Elijah. Trust you.